is a humongous topic to talk about and why I wrote the the sermon series I put my name next to prayer why when I wrote this I do not know because for some reason this took me so long to put together because it's such a huge topic like every good vicar I have a, a section on our bookcase devoted to prayer I don't think you're a good a good vicar if you haven't got um, something devoted to uh, prayer on your bookshelf. I don't know what you, what you did at Theological College. But it's, it's, such, it's so massive, so therefore there's so much to talk about. It's the one thing that I find that people outside the church speaking within the UK understand that prayer is part of being a Christian. People I've known for years who are not Christians will Facebook message me asking me to pray for them in certain situations. They realise that from my Facebook feed, I'm a vicar, I can pray for them in times of adversity. It's what people turn to when times are hard. In fact, since the pandemic began, Google searches for prayer across 95 countries have nearly doubled. They've, they've kind of taken over, apparently, how people Google search for flights. Prayer has, has overtaken that. In the UK alone, one in four people have Googled about how to pray since the pandemic. I think prayer has become pretty important to people's lives. Or it, it is for so many, isn't it? Friends, people are looking for a God. And where do they start? Well, that is with prayer. I couldn't think of a better place to start either. But with prayer, there are so many questions that come with that. Hence, all the books that have been written down the generations. There are questions on how to pray. Why aren't my prayers being answered? When to pray? Is it okay to pray if I'm not a Christian? Does it matter if my prayer is badly articulated? And so many more. But today, what I really wanted to focus on is unanswered prayer and our need to pray. I think maybe it's a bit brave. I could have taken the easy route out and just talked you through the scripture. But I felt that lots of people say to me when I talk about prayer or books that I've been reading about prayer, they go, oh, are they just all nicey nice ones and talk about how God answers all prayer? And then I have to reply with no, actually, they are about unanswered prayer. And I think people have that response because it's not something that is widely talked about. Or it is, but people then ditch God and they think, oh, well, he's not answering my prayer. And that's why it's so hard, probably, to be a Christian. Now, I doubt that today I will go deep. I will probably merely skim the surface of this massive, massive topic. But I hope that by the end of this today, you will be encouraged. You will be encouraged to pray. You will be encouraged from those unanswered prayer and your faith in God will have grown that little bit more. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna turn to Matthew 6, 5 to 15. This is a very, uh, very familiar passage. And when you pray, do not pray like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to, see, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, 
go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive you your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When someone asks me about prayer, this is probably one of the passages that I first think of. It's Jesus's guide on how we pray. In fact, it's not necessarily Jesus's guide, but it also just assumes that we pray. Right before this verse in verses one to four, you can read of him correcting people about their giving. And he says he assumed people would do. They just needed instruction on how to give appropriately. And here we find him giving instructions on how to pray. But again, it's something he assumes we do. We just need instruction on how to do it correctly. He speaks to the crowd and says, when you pray. Prayer is a natural part of our relationship with God. Perhaps that's why Jesus here is assuming that you pray. It's something we find happening all throughout scriptures from the first pages of Genesis to the last pages of Revelation. We find the Bible telling us about prayer, about people crying out in prayer, about people's prayer not being answered, about prayer being answered, perhaps even just to tell you to go and have a, a nap and a snack and everything will all be all right. We see that in Elijah. We see that further down the line of people crying out for, for prayer and somebody being put in their way to help them. We see it throughout the whole pages of our Bible. In fact, as we were worshipping, I just had this moment of realisation of basically our, uh, our Bibles are a book of people talking to God, of a book of people praying to God. That, that is what it is. This is prayer. And I just know that, I know that's probably quite obvious to some people, but for me, that was kind of like a, a smack in the face today. Prayer is paramount to being a Christian. But prayer, when we pray, you'll see it in the Bible, you'll see it throughout, throughout books, all kind of things. People get so confused about prayer. But prayer isn't about fancy language or being the best prayer. It's not about your prayers ending up in a book. 
Prayer isn't even about speaking out loud. I used to think this when I was little, that if I didn't speak my prayer out loud, God wouldn't answer it. That was quite hard when I wanted to pray at night and not let people hear me. Prayer is about communication with God. That is probably why Jesus assumed that we do it, because when we give our life to God, when we become a Christian, part of that call is to pray and to talk to God. Pete Grigg, who is the prayer guy, and just forgive me now, I'm probably going to talk about him a lot, um, said, can I be honest with you? I'm actually not into prayer. I'm just into Jesus. So we talk. I don't believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of God. So I ask for his help a lot. I'm not into evangelism. I hate evangelism. I'm into Jesus. So I talk to people about him. I'm with Pete here. I'm really into Jesus. And we talk. I talk to him about everything. I ask him for a car parking space, where my keys are, and may I add, I've never found those one lot of car keys I lost. I ask him for to reveal himself to my family and to my friends, to care for them. I ask for healing. I tell him about my day, warts and all. I talk to God with Harry. With I talk to God with you guys through songs, through words of scripture when I have no words, and then through my own words. Sometimes those words are calm. Sometimes they're filled with tears or with tears of joy, or sometimes they're angry and a bit sweary, but God can take all of it. But one of the difficulties of prayer, one of the massive challenges that people find and probably find about being a Christian is unanswered prayer. Why is it that child hasn't been healed of cancer? Why is it that these terrible things happen around the world? Why has a tsunami wiped out a town? Why is a virus sweeping across the world and killing people as it goes through? It stops people from believing, it provides doubt in people's hearts and it breaks people. It makes non-Christians question how to be a Christian with so much suffering in our world. Within five months of the of coronavirus, books were published trying to explain it to the world, to try and explain it in the face of prayer and why God hadn't got rid of it. So much stuff has been written about prayer. I think it's something as a church that we have to talk about and unanswered prayer especially. We cannot ignore it. We need to speak about it head on and be honest and practical. I could have so easily, as I said before, not tackled it, but I felt that would be so wrong today. I felt also that we needed to tackle it because it can make following the prayerful way of Jesus so hard. We need to think about the glory of, an, of answered prayer, but also the sober reality of an answered prayer too. What I'm about to carry on sharing with you, um, I found in a book, well, it's, it's Pete Gregg's way of explaining unanswered prayer. And at the end of this, I'll just talk about a few little books 
um, well they're not little books some of them are like this that may help you um, in your journey of prayer with God most of them are by him he is the prayer guy he's the guy who started the 24 7 prayer movement but there's other things out there too so just a caveat I do know there's other people out there but I think it's so helpful the way he talks about unanswered prayer so the first thing I want to acknowledge is that if you believe God is real then you're going to wrestle with the fact that sometimes he doesn't seem to answer your prayers if you don't believe that God is real or that he answers prayer you don't struggle with unanswered prayer instead you probably just think well I didn't expect it to work in the first place if you do believe in the power of prayer, the good news is, is that we are part of a faith that is all about wrestling. And in fact, the Bible is more honest about unanswered prayer than most churches are. Jesus himself lives with unanswered prayer. He prayed that his church would be united. And last time I checked, this hasn't happened yet. So if Jesus lived with unanswered prayer, if the Bible can be honest about the struggle of faith, we need to start to create some space and honesty to wrestle with these things. It's a form of faith, it's not unbelief. Honestly, most of the time there are ever going to be easy answers to the questions that we wrestle with. But when we're asking ourselves why God hasn't answered our prayers, it's helpful to think in terms of these three things. God's world, God's will, and God's war. So these are things that Pete Gregg um, suggests as ways to help with the problem of unanswered prayer. So God's world. First of all, some prayers aren't answered because it's just the way that God's made and the world to work. If you're in a football stadium or a rugby stadium and you're praying for your team to win, the likelihood is there's somebody on the other side of that team praying for their team to win too. It's just a matter of fact, isn't it? C.S. Lewis said, nothing can seem extraordinary until you discovered what is ordinary. It's ordinary to go outside and to enjoy the outside and breathe the air. It's extraordinary when Jesus rises from the dead. We need to live in a world where the laws of nature are exactly that, so that when miracles do happen, we recognise them for what they are. This can be painful and really challenging. If a political system is voted in that to make corrupt decisions, that's because of the way that the world works. It wouldn't be extraordinary if we saw it every day. And next, God's will. Some prayers aren't answered. Why some prayers aren't answered is a little more complicated. It's to do with God's will. Sometimes we just need to accept that God knows best. Obviously, that can be complicated. It can be really difficult to make sense of God knowing best. When someone dies or when someone who we long to see come to know Jesus. It can seem like the answer to prayer is really, really obvious. It is so hard. We have a dear friend at the moment who has cancer. She's 24. 
why hasn't she been healed? Why does she have to, why is this little bit of cancer still there? I don't know. And that's where we talk about the third factor, God's war. The Bible teaches there are things that happen in this world that God does not want. We are in a spiritual battle and God's will gets resisted. When a woman is raped, I do not believe that's the will of God. When a child is struck down in the street by a car, I do not believe that that's God's will either. This is why our prayers are vital. We can wage warfare and ask for God's kingdom to come. In one of Pete Gregg's book, How to Pray, he shares a story of a friend who got up every morning to pray. And one morning he felt God say, stay in bed a little bit longer, then get up to pray. I know you'll be a bit late into London than normal, but just, just be late, basically. That was the day there was an attack on London Bridge. If he had been there at the time he normally would have, he'd have been caught up in it. Because of his prayers, because of God, he was safe. Even when God's will is resisted, I do not believe that he can take situations and turn them to something good. I do believe, sorry, I do believe that he can take situations and turn them to something good. That was dangerous mispronunciation there. <laughs> Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for the good of those who love God. And also God works in moments when we don't even realise it, doesn't he? This is a bit of theology according to the West Wing. And this is a, a situation with the president, with uh, Martin Sheen and his priest. He says, you know, you remind me of a man that lived by the river. He heard a radio report that the river was going to rush and flood the town and all the residents should evacuate their homes. But the man said, I'm religious. I pray. God loves me. God will save me. And the waters rose up. A guy in a rowboat came along and he shouted, hey, hey, you, you in there, the town is flooding, let me take you to safety. But the man back shouted back, I'm religious, I pray, God loves me, God will save me. A helicopter was hovering overhead and a guy with a megaphone shouted, hey, hey, you, down there, the town is flooding, let me drop this ladder and I'll take you to safety. But the man shouted back that he was religious, that he prayed and that God loved him and that God would take him to safety. Well, the man drowned. And standing at the gates of St. Peter, he demanded an audience with God and said, Lord, I'm a religious man. I pray. I thought you loved me. Why did this happen? And God said, I sent you a radio report, a helicopter and a guy in a rowboat. What, what on earth are you on about here? God sends people when we're in times of struggle. I know that sometimes our prayers aren't always answered in the way that we like them or would want them to be, but God is on the move. We have to remember, just because God isn't working or the working the way we want, or God seems a million miles away, that doesn't mean that he's absent. He promises in the Bible, I'll never leave you. I'll never, ever forsake you. God's silence is not the same as his absence. And so this is the good news that we have in Jesus, that he is with us always. 
And even when you don't understand, we can still trust. Even if we have unanswered prayer, we still have faith. In your life, you probably know somebody who's been a Christian their whole life. Yet they are still rejoicing and trusting God. You see something even better than faith in these people. You see faithfulness. You see it in the people of the persecuted church, to the people who have to hide scriptures in their socks because people, they can't tell people that they believe in God. That is faithfulness. We will never learn what it means to be truly faithful until we live through an answered prayer. And when we still trust in God, even though it doesn't make sense. And here is the real amazing fact of faith. We believe in eternity. And sometimes we will lose people. We'll lose battles. And we do grieve, but not necessarily in the same way that others do. Who have no hope. Because we believe that ultimately God wins. Ultimately, God wins. When I've gone through awful times or seen friends go through absolute crap, what has always been present is God. God has put people in the way to make the situation easier. So now let's look on the flip side. God does answer prayer too. You may have seen it. You may have known of a situation where you've really seen God at work. For me, one of the most recent answers of prayer, probably for Harry and I, is the fact that we're here in Telford Minster. It's probably been our longest desire to to have a, a job that we both can work together. Harry can be a worship leader and I can be the associate vicar. But I've actually come a little bit earlier than I should have from a curacy. And we were struggling. It wasn't the easiest place to be in the entire world. But what was incredible was that I had coronavirus. I had absolutely no sway in what Bishop said and I just had to trust God that he would bring us to this place and in the time when I was just in bed with Harry bringing me dippy eggs so I could actually eat something bishops were having conversations about bringing us to Telford that people just God just made way he literally took this situation out of our hands that we thought no way would be possible that we would be able to be here because realistically I needed to be there for another year. But God took it and we're here. I'm pretty pleased about that. You probably have prayers that have been answered too, but like us all, we carry the questions as well. What I hope that you take away from today is that prayer is central to the following of Jesus. In our series on rhythms, living the ways of Jesus, living the way of Jesus is to be in constant communication with him. Telling him how your day goes, getting in the car when you're off to work, whatever it is, when you before you set your computer to say, hi God, this is what I've got today to do. 
but it's also asking telling him when you're rejoicing but telling him when your heart is burning and not just saving your communication with with God for when your heart is burning because we should pray I really really fundamentally believe that we should talk to God about everything even to asking for a car parking space I used to do this regularly when I worked in retail at busy Christmases and I always found one I always got to my shift on time can I be sure that God created that space no but when I got that space I could rejoice and thank him for it in fact Pete Gregg yep him again encourages us to pray for everything because even when they happen whatever they are we can rejoice and be glad in it and we can thank God for it and I think that's a pretty wonderful thing we can do the rest of this scripture that I've really barely touched on today, just that, that line of assuming that we pray, is, is the Lord's Prayer. That, that, that prayer that we, when I go and take a funeral, majority of the time, people can put down that little order of services and know it. It's a prayer that people know well. It's a prayer that's been said in schools throughout the generation. People are familiar with it. And it's that guide for us Christians of, of, of to pray, how to pray, how to ask for your daily bread, to say sorry to God, to, to forgive others. And when we talk to God every, each day, we should be doing those things as well. And when we have no words to say, go to a psalm, but the Lord's prayer is as good as any as well. I want to finish now and I want us to say the Lord's Prayer together.